All right, well, hey, good morning. I'm Mark, executive pastor. I want to welcome you as well and uh, welcome you to this study. If you haven't got a chance to be a part of it so far, we are studying through John chapter 13 to 17, which is just this incredible uh, passage. It's one of my favorite in all the scriptures. And of all of that, this one, chapter 15, is, is one that's impacted me so much and that I think is just, is just so rich. And so I'm excited to, to talk about it this morning. Like I, I said last week, Charlie gave me the choice of uh, which section, and this is the one I chose. I just am, I've been praying all morning. I'm uh, scared that I'm not going to do it justice. So please read it on your own. Uh, and maybe some of these thoughts that, that Jesus, the things that he's shown to me might be, might be helpful. Uh, you know, I, there's a phrase that I've heard lately a lot, and uh, maybe it's an old phrase and I'm just now catching up. I've even used it a little bit, is when people will say, hey, this is my, this is my happy place. You know, they're, they're doing something or they've gone to some place, some location, something's happening. They're like, man, this right now, like this, this, this is my happy place. And I even, I said this uh, a couple weeks ago while we were on our spring break trip, because now what's become a tradition for our family, we've got this, this really ridiculously low budget uh, ski place that we go to uh, that's kind of removed from any city or anything, and it's got these old cabins, and there's only so many places you can stay, and you bring your own food, and uh, there's, no, there's, there's some runs, but uh, not a ton of them, and there's only a couple of lifts, and, and this old cabin that we stay in is like, it's like here, and then there's like a little river uh, that the kids can throw rocks in and stuff, and there's a, there's a, a little bridge, and then that, the, the, the lift is right there. And, uh, and I'm just sitting there going, man, this on that back porch, like, like this is just my happy place. And we've got some, some friends that we've been doing this with for a while, and, and I've noticed, I've heard other people say that, and it's for different reasons. Like, uh, what's funny to me is that some of the reasons are the things that aren't there, like... Uh, hey, internet's sketchy, uh, cell service is sketchy. So if you really want to disconnect, guess what? You don't have a choice because it's not working. Uh, you know, hot water is a maybe. So I'll usually go the whole week without taking a shower. And that to me is like heaven. Uh, just knowing that I'm like at a, like a 80, 90% discount from most ski places is just joy to me. I just feel like I'm stealing every time I ride the, the ski lift. Like, this is, this is, this is awesome. Um, but when you think about that, that thing, like, what, what's, your, what's your happy place? You know, what is it? There's probably something, you've probably said that, or there's something that comes to mind that when I'm here or when I'm doing this thing, like, there, I might just find that I'm really, really happy there. Right smack dab in the middle. So chapter 15, 13 to 17, chapter 15. And then right smack dab in the middle of chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy would be in you and that your joy may be full. I'm saying these things to you so that my joy, Jesus kind of joy, not not just happiness, because we all know the difference between being happy and then this, this deep joy that uh, regardless the chaos, regardless the circumstances, that deeper level. And it's Jesus kind of joy, Jesus joy, which is, you know, obviously it's Jesus. It's better than any other joy. It's like Jesus joy, that supernatural kind of joy. 
would be in us. That's, he's saying these things. These things in the context of what he's saying here, but I think even, even bigger, the teachings of Jesus. He's saying these things that his joy would be in us and that our joy would be to the brim of the cup overflowing. Now, y'all, that right there, if it were, if a person were to believe it and really begin to live life based on that truth, it's life-altering. It's life-altering. If you, if you really were to believe that the best life, the most life, the full life, the joy, the continual happy place of joy, the Jesus joy, is found in the Jesus way. That Jesus knows it, knows the path to that, modeled the path to that, taught the path to that, empowers us to live that. Here in the middle of all these things we're talking about, he says, this is, this is why I'm speaking these things to you. This kind of joy is possible in your life. His joy. And he desires. I mean, I, I don't know. The Jesus that's been presented to me a lot of times in different places and different times in my journey is, is not the one that would even desire. He desires. And his teaching is, has this end result that his joy would be in me. The Jesus way. I'm going to hop around to several different, different verses in this section, so I'd encourage you to read it, but I'll try to pick out some major themes. And uh, in verse 5, we kind of get the backdrop to this whole thing that Jesus is talking about. He says, I am the vine, talking about himself, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, abides is... Also, in uh, some versions, it's remains, it's to continue in, to live in. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that will bear not just a little bit, but a lot of fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. Bigger context of this passage, kind of the, the story here, the, the illustration Father God is the, is the vine tender, the, the vine dresser. He's the one that, that has the vines. Uh, Jesus is the vine. And then we are the branches connected to the vine. And ultimately, these, these vines and this vine tender and the branches are producing this, this fruit. Now, I've always been fascinated with vineyards and things. I love, uh, we live, we're not in Tawny Town, but we're really close. Actually, when we moved up here, there was a house that didn't meet our needs whatsoever that was in Tawny Town, but uh, there was a vineyard right next to it, and I had a really hard time turning that down because I was like, man, we could live, I could just wake up in the morning, I could look at it, and those, those vines are just really cool. Uh, Terry and I got to make a little short trip to Napa Valley one time, and it was just driving through and seeing all of those, those vineyards. I don't understand it that well, and I would probably kill every vine I ever tried to grow, but, uh, but it is just pretty incredible to, to look at and to think about what it would be to be the, the vine tender, the vine dresser, the one that's, that's caring for them. And ultimately that you are trying to grow these vines and produce this incredible, this incredible fruit. And, and, and it makes total sense. I don't want to get too complicated with this illustration because it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Jesus is the vine. All the nutrients, all of the, the power, all of, all of the stuff is in the vine and in the branch that is connected to that vine 
then begins to experience all the, the nutrients and things that are coming from the vine and then transport that. And, 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 it, and it's from the vine to the branch and then the branch produces this fruit. And I also don't want to get too complicated about the fruit. Well, what, what kind of fruit are we talking about? Well, the fruit is the varietal of the vine. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not going to be something different. It's, it's Jesus stuff. It's, it's Jesus, like we talked about already, it's Jesus' joy, it's Jesus', it's Jesus life. Yeah, as, as described, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are all Jesus, those are all Jesus attributes. It's Jesus' self-sacrificing love for others and Jesus' impact. It's, it's, Jesus, it's Jesus' life, Jesus' stuff. A branch that's connected to that vine then begins to also bear this fruit of the incredible supernatural power and life of, and love and joy of Jesus. And if you look at it, and this is repeated several times, I just pulled out this one verse, verse 5, but it also says that, that apart from me, you can do nothing. A branch can't just exist on its own. It, it, it has to be connected to the vine. You can't go somewhere else for it. It has to go to the vine for that power. And I was, I was thinking about this in this, this, uh, this little ski place that we go to. There's, uh, like I said, there's just two lifts. And, uh, and so if you'll just stand, there's one place that you can stand. If you'll, if you'll just stand there, everybody will go up and come down. And eventually you'll catch whoever's coming because you'll, you know, you'll see the two lines and you'll catch them. But, you know, it's always really tempting to, you know, if you're looking for somebody to, to try to take a guess at which path, uh, which, which run they may be on and, and to take the, the lift up and try to, try to ski down and catch them. And that, that never works, right? Because they always, they ended up on a different one than what you thought they were going to be on or somehow you miss each other. And so then you're just like this, you know, and you never, you never really catch one, one another or... Or somebody falls and, uh, and you ski ahead and then you're, oh man, some, they're not behind us. Maybe they fell. And, and so you're tempted to wait and then like maybe they'll come down this way. But inevitably what happens, they decide to go a different route to get down. And then you're both thinking, how are we going to meet up? And then again, you get on this thing where you're chasing each other but never finding one another. But if, so like uh, my boy Brennan, so we just let him go and he's doing his thing. If I want to catch him and tell him that lunch is ready, what I need to do is go to that one spot in between those two lifts and sit there and remain and continue <laughs> to stay right there. And my heart might get a little anxious. Well, maybe if I do this or maybe do that, I could speed. But if I'll just remain and wait, he'll come down that hill and he'll get in a line and then I can go catch him. And I think that's what happens for us that we, we start to go, well, man, maybe, maybe there's a better way. Maybe, maybe there's a, a way that life can be found outside of this. Maybe, maybe Jesus, but Jesus plus this. Or, or maybe you know, we, we lose faith and hope and trust that Jesus it really is that, and we start going other places. Sometimes it's, it's bad things that we go after and pursue. Sometimes, honestly, in my experience in life, even the good things. Sometimes we get enamored with, with the fruit, for, for instance, like, uh, like Bible study, man, uh, someone who's really leaning into the vine and loving Jesus then also wants to know his words. This, uh, later on, we'll, we'll talk about that some. But then, before long, maybe, maybe we're like, oh, man, well, 
now I've become a, a student of the Word, and I'm, I'm studying, and I'm studying, I'm a really good student. And then we become, we leave the vine for a second, and we start to, like, focus on something other than, than Jesus. Or, like, uh, this happened for me in my life um, when I started to learn that God wanted other people and other plan- uh, around the planet and other places to know about him that didn't know about him, then I got excited about that. And before long, I've seen it happen. People get really excited about that, and somehow they get excited about being a missionary or doing something like that and forget about Jesus, where the power comes from to be able to understand the, the word, where the power comes from to be able to share with other people and have an impact on the planet. We somehow think that we graduate from just Jesus. And we've talked about this even recently here, but I think it's huge. Continue means the way that you came to know him, that you continue to know him more deeply. This is a highly relational thing that we're talking about here. I recognize my sin and brokenness. I recognize that I couldn't fix myself. And then I looked to Jesus and realized that his death and resurrection made it possible for me to be made clean and be made right with God. That's, that's day one. And then we continue, we remain, we abide in this all-out gaze upon Jesus, this all-out trust and reliance upon the vine for all the power to do all the things, all the things, to have patience, Y'all, I'm telling you what, our, our twins yesterday, they, they would not do anything they were asked to do. And everything that they were asked to do, they did the opposite thing. And I started out with maybe already like a half tank of patience. And by about 10 o'clock, it was down to, you know, almost gone. And I was running on fumes to the point that I had to sit them down and go, y'all, daddy ain't got none left. Like the patience tank is empty. It's gone. Where, where, where does that come from? It doesn't come from me. A branch by itself has zero. I'm I'm reaching back for nutrients and there's nothing there. But when I look to Jesus, that's when it begins to happen. That's when his power, his patience, his love, his joy begin to manifest themselves through me. But it's not possible if I think that that I graduate or move on from that. I remain. I I have to remain there. And apart from... From him, I can do nothing. Then uh, in verse 7, it says, If you ab- abide in me, and then he says, And if my words abide in you. I think this is the context that we have to put the study of the Bible and the study of the teachings of Jesus in, that we're living in his word. It's not a to-do list that, or a discipline. It is a, man, he has the words of life. All the other places that we go to try to find the words of life are, are just posers. If we really believe that Jesus has the words of life, the Jesus way is the answer, then we go to it with that kind of dependence, that kind of desperation. And then it says we abide in them. We don't just visit them. We don't study them. We remain and continue and live there. I, uh, you know, I wish I could have brought some this morning. I made the best shrimp on the grill last night that I have in my whole life. And, and I, I mean, the, the shells just fell off of them, and you just, I mean, they just melt in your mouth. 
And I think I figured out the secret because back in the day when, when Terry and I got married and I was first trying to figure out how to, how to grill and do some of this cooking things, I was, what's the word? I, like, I just believed that butter was, was a really bad thing. Uh, sorry, I was, I was messed up. I, I was trying to get high protein, low fat, and somehow I just came, became convinced that no butter was the best play. And so for years of my life, I tried to cook without butter. You know how well that went. It just, it just, it just didn't work. Well, I have been enlightened, and so now I, I probably use too, too much butter. Um, and these shrimp last night, I like folded up the foil and made a little bowl kind of thing and put the shrimp in there, and then I just took a whole tub of that Kerrygold, I mean, the good stuff, and just, just poured it all over it. And every time I'd go out there and open up the grill, it would just be bubbling up. All that butter was just, it was just, you know, just marinating those shrimp and butter. I didn't put anything but just, but just that, just the butter. And it just, oh my goodness. And man, those shrimp were incredible. <laughs> and that picture, I started, to talk about, I started to think, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what abiding in the word is supposed to be. This is the reason why uh, memorizing scripture is such a big deal, because you just, you just sit there and marinate in it, <laughs> and, the, and the, your life starts to take on the flavor of, I mean, what did I taste in those shrimp? Shrimp doesn't taste good in of itself. It tasted like Kerrygold butter, right? And that was awesome, because it had transformed by, by marinating in it. It had transformed to take on the flavor of that butter, and it was incredible. When we abide in the word... That's what it means. We go to it and it, then all the Jesus stuff and all the perspective of life that Jesus gives starts to happen in us. That's where joy comes. That's this full joy, his joy, his, uh, his life. And so if you abide in me and my words abide in you, and then he makes this audacious statement, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Is anybody right now going, oh, well, hold up. He's saying, <laughs> he's saying I'm going to answer every single prayer? Well, hold up. That's not true, is it? And when I read that, I go, what? And, I, and it's, it's uh, conflicting to me because I've had a lot of un unanswered prayers in my life. Does that mean that I wasn't abiding or... What, what does that mean? Is that the promise that he's making? It's also complicated to me, uh, and I'm not going to give any answers to these questions anyway, so don't, don't get too excited. No, but even a little bit further, Jesus is going to pray, right? And he's going to say, let this cup pass from me. And the cup doesn't pass from him, talking about that he's going to have to be betrayed and died, and, and, it, and the cup doesn't pass from him. How does Jesus finish that prayer? But not my will, your will be done. I think the secret here, what starts to happen is when we begin to abide, when we begin to abide in his word and we begin to lean in and, and look to Jesus, the things that we pray for start to match up with, with what God wants. We start to match up with, with his will and, and his desire. We start praying these, these next level prayers that are less about just our happiness and good and, and more about the things he's trying to do on the planet, we start praying next level prayers. First time I experienced this uh, back in college, I uh, really started to get serious about Jesus my junior year. 
and this guy was help, kind of helping me grow and understand uh, Bible study and understand what was going on. And um, before that, I was playing football, and a lot of my prayers had to do with football, and they had to do with, God, please make me faster. <laughs> God, God, please make me stronger. God, please maybe help me to make some tackles today or get an interception. God, maybe would you, would you give me a scholarship? God, would you, God, would you let me start? And the end result of those prayers, my big thing I was ultimately praying for was that Mark would somehow have my name in lights, you know. Uh, some article would be written about me or I'd be all conference or it was for Mark. And then all of a sudden this thing switched. And I was like, well, that's, that's a really insignificant reason to be doing all this. <laughs> There's got to be something bigger going on here than just that. And I realized it was about God and that his love, he wanted his love and name and salvation to go to the whole team. And all these guys I was playing football with, a lot of them had, didn't really know him. And so the prayer changed. God, would you please draw all these guys to yourself? And you know what? God started to answer that prayer one after another after another. And you know the big thing that God did or that God used to draw all those guys to himself? The death of one of my really close friends who loved Jesus desperately and who, even in his death, showed the power of Jesus in his gospel. Would I have prayed for that? <laughs> no, I wouldn't have prayed, prayed for that. I, I would have never even thought to pray for that or desire it, but yet God, God used it. But God did answer my next level prayer in drawing the team to himself, using even the hard stuff of life, even the things that I would have never welcomed. This, uh, in verse 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would last. It wouldn't just be uh, temporal, but it would be, it would stay, remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Whatever you ask the Father in, in my name, that, uh, that means, you know, we, we're able to pray and talk to the Father because of what Jesus has done, but also it has to do with Jesus, his name, his renown, his reputation. The things that you pray, that you pray ultimately for the glory of God, those are powerful next-level prayers. Um, a lot of times, I just I think we, we miss that. You know, uh, my seven-year-old Jack, a lot of the times, will, he'll say, Dad, what, what's for dinner? I'm cooking something. He's like, what's, what's for dinner? And I'm like, dude, it's going to be good. Something good. Yeah, 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 but what is it? Something good. And he'll say, no, no, but Dad, but give me, what is it? Don't worry about it. Is it something good? Hey, Dad, where are we going? Somewhere good. But where, where are we going? But somewhere good. I know that he can't handle all the details, but I'm asking him to trust the Father that where we're going is something good. What I'm preparing for you is going to be, it's going to be something good. Just, just trust. Those are, those are next level prayers when we trust the Father uh, that it's, it's going to be something good. Don't know all the details, but even in the hardship, he's doing something good. And when we abide in his word and we lean into him, we start to have that higher level perspective. 
And then verse 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified. This is how he's glorified, that you bear much fruit. So the vine tender wants the vines to bear good fruit and a lot of it, right? So that you bear much fruit. And when you do this, you prove the life of Jesus coming out of your life, the attitudes of Jesus coming out of your life, the actions, the impact of Jesus coming out of your life. This proves that you're my disciples when you bear much fruit. This is how my father is glorified. Now, at this point, I've been uh, talking 25 minutes or so, and if you can see my shoes, you have probably wondered, what are those ridiculous shoes he's wearing, and why is, is he wearing them? Uh, which would be a great question, because if you know me very well, uh, I would not normally wear crazy shoes, and I am wearing them today, and so that's a great question. Which is the reason I wore them, that you would be asking the question. Because uh, I got the shoes because Brendan and I have started to play some basketball, and the only pair of basketball shoes I had were dry rotted. So I needed some basketball shoes, and I was like, if I'm going to buy basketball shoes, why not get, why not get those shoes, right? Because I'm only going to wear them to play basketball, and I'm definitely not going to wear them on Sunday morning. But today, I was thinking about, you know, it, it, if it causes you to ask the question, so we're, everything's the same as everything has always been, and all of a sudden there's this, this bright color uh, in the middle of it all that you might be tempted to miss, but it's there. One of my favorite portraits I ever saw, and I, I love art, I don't know much about it, but uh, it was this black and white picture, but it just had this one spot, that, this vibrant red color. You know, when you think about your story in your life, the thing that we're a lot, we're tempted to miss is that it's his vineyard. It, it, that we're the branch. It's, it's, it's his story. It's ultimately his glory. The Father is glorified. What's the point of this vineyard? The Father's vineyard. The Father's branches, the Father's fruit is Him. And so the reason we, we miss things a lot of times is we'll roll along and miss the, the red, vibrant red screaming at us, look, we are in context of a great God that loves us, who is doing something, and we need to live in light of that and always be asking the question, what, what, is, what is God doing by this, the Father is glorified. He wants us to bear fruit, and not just a little fruit, a lot of fruit, and this fruit that will last, because it's his vineyard. And then verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept the commandments, as I, as I have modeled, I've kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. So he says, you're abiding in my love when you, when you walk out and live out these things that I've asked you to do. And then look at this, verse 12. And this is the commandment. This is the thing I call out, that you would love one another. He says, as I have loved you, that you would love one another. Verse 17, he finishes this section saying the same thing. These things I, I command you so that you will love one another. Man, y'all, that is, it's crazy to me that of all the things that he would call out in this moment, and he's going to talk more about it as we move on, on through this. Uh, chapter 17, when he prays, this is the big thing that he prays for. This 
loving of one another. And, uh, you know, the guys that I, that I run with, we've been talking about this a lot lately, just how, how individualistic uh, faith tends to be for us, especially in the West, and how self-focused we are, and how, how it almost seems like a stretch, a jump to think about faith and to think about life in this communal way, in this, in this togetherness, and this doing life together. And and it's a, it's a jump for us. It's weird for us. It's kind of a step out. And yet Jesus says, this is, this is it. Loving one another. And a big reason for that, if we start talking about the fruit being born, well, where does the Jesus stuff manifest itself? How does it show itself? Well, it shows itself when we begin to, to do life together. And there are needs and there are hardships and um, you know, somebody has experienced something that they can help somebody else with. All the patience, all the kindness, all the stuff, all the stuff, all the Jesus stuff. Living on an island, there's no chance for any of that fruit to be born. But when you put us all together and we start trying to do life together and you get in a small group and people are talking and, and sharing things that are going on, real things that are going on in their life and everybody begins to help one another, that's when it starts to happen. That's when you start to see this Jesus stuff. That's when life to the fullest starts to happen. It's, it's loving one another. You know, I thought about this with, that, with this uh, low-budget ski place. You know, I think the thing that I, I liked the most before going and, and starting to do this, Terry and I had never really vacationed with anybody else or done anything like that. You know, the thing I like the most is like in, in the evenings when, you know, one family will fix a meal and serve everybody. And then the next night, somebody else will fix the meal and serve everybody. Or somebody's uh, teenager will help my little girl get on a ski lift and, and figure that out. Or, you know, and somebody will carry up somebody else's things. It's like, it's the beauty of like people being together and just trying to figure out how to, how to do life. And, and this is the thing that Jesus calls out. This is the thing I command you. Love one another. Love one another. Life to the full and loving one another. Uh, I read this somewhere, some book. I, if I, I'd give the guy credit if I remember what it was. So if, you, if you've heard this, you can tell me who the author was. But um, I'm just thinking about this picture often. This guy, he said that, uh, that here's the picture of hell. Uh, a beautiful banquet table with... Uh, incredible food, it smells great, it, it, it looks great, but everyone's sitting around the table and uh, their, their arms won't bend at the elbow. So they can't get the food and they can't, they can't get the food to their mouth. He said, that's, that's what hell looks like. And then he said, this is what heaven looks like. It's the, it's the same table. The difference is that each person is taking and feeding the one next to them. And there's this, there's this togetherness and, and helping one another and loving one another. And y'all, you can't, you can't have a reading of the scriptures. You can't have a reading of the teachings of Jesus. And at this point, this critical moment with, with his guys, you can't read through this and miss the fact that life is intended to be lived together. He wants us to give us life to the full and uh, this abundance and his power coming through us, but it happens when we do life together. 
All right, let me, let me pray for us. Father, I am, uh, I am convicted. And uh, Father, this week, just well aware that I'm quick to go other places instead of leaning into you, instead of believing that full life is found in you, uh, instead of asking for your perspective on the things that are going on around me, instead of really taking the steps to, to get into somebody else's life and story and, and ask what you w- might want me to do there. I'm tempted to live in isolation. I'm tempted to, to go to quick fixes or easy things to, to find happiness for a moment. And I'm asking you that we would be a people, that I would be a person, that we would be a community that would recognize you know the way to true life. And uh, we would look to you in the same way that we began in you, that we would continue to trust you and not try to live life, a branch out on the ground, separated from the vine. That's no good but just to be thrown into the fire but that we would connect deeply to the vine and let you produce fruit to the glory of the Father. Amen.